From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Alex Ross King, 19. Joshua Tam, 22. Nathan Tran, 18. Callum Brosnan, 19. Joseph Pham, 23. Diana Nguyen, 21. These are the names of six young Aussies who lost their lives at music festivals between December 2017 and January this year after taking drugs. The New South Wales coroner spent three weeks looking into how these deaths could have been prevented, and her recommendations, including the introduction of pill testing, have caused a stir. We want lives saved, and we do believe there's more government needs to do. We do need to spend more time and energy in education, having a conversation with young people, explaining to them the consequences of what illicit drugs can do. But to go down a path to suggest it's okay to take illicit drugs is something we do not support. With the start of the next festival season arriving next month, we take a look at pill testing, how it actually works, whether it does any good, and why so many in positions of power are against it. This week, a leaked report from the New South Wales coroner called for their state government to allow pill testing at music festivals, to scrap sniffer dogs so that kids don't take everything they've got before they get caught, to overhaul strip search laws and even decriminalise the personal use of drugs at festivals. Why would she recommend such a major overhaul of the just-don't-do-drugs message that Australian children have been told their entire lives? Well, the coroner had just spent three weeks undertaking an inquest into the drug-related deaths of six young people aged between 19 and 23 at music festivals between December 2017 and January 2019. Alex Ross King died in hospital after taking MDMA at the FOMO Music Festival. It was hot, 35 degrees. She went to the medical tent saying she wasn't feeling well. They rushed her to hospital where she died later that night. Nathan Tran had taken four MDMA capsules before he collapsed at the Knockout Circus Festival. Joseph Pham and Diana Nguyen also died from MDMA toxicity after attending DEFCON 1. In fact, MDMA was a factor in all six deaths. The parents of these kids have responded to the findings with support. Julie Tam, Joshua's mum, saying what we're doing now clearly isn't working, so we need to look at some of these more controversial options. Jenny Ross-King, Alex's mum, says the coroner's recommendations are common sense. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian, however, told ABC News that while she hadn't seen the coroner's report yet, her government will not be going down that path because they feel very strongly that it sends the wrong message. To say that it's safe to take illicit drugs gives people a false sense of security. How one person reacts to a certain dose is different to how another person reacts. We believe it's better to simply educate young people and tell them taking an illicit drug can kill you. So is there evidence that pill testing works or is Gladys right? Gino Vumbaka is the founder of Harm Reduction Australia and a leading supporter of pill testing. He was in charge of the trial run at last year's Groove in the Moo Festival. Before that, he was the Executive Director of the Australian National Council on Drugs, which informed the Office of the Prime Minister, a position he held for 15 years. Gino, can you firstly step us through exactly how pill testing works? What's the process? Well, when we set up at a festival, what happens is people come in, they're given an induction by one of our counsellors just on what to expect and what the limitations are and the information we can give them. 
We also take a hold of their mobile phones for security reasons so people don't take photos because it's a medical service, a health service we run, so we want people's privacy to be protected. So after that, they'd provide us with a small sample of the substance or drugs they're intending to consume. While that's being analysed, they talk to one of our medical team, doctors, about what it is they think they purchased and what their concerns are. Some people raise issues like they're taking other medication. Some people even raise issues like they've got diabetes, whatever it may be, and how that may interact with what they're doing or how that may affect their overall health if they take the drug. Uh, Then the chemist will explain to them what the sample is revealing, and that generally gives us the top two or three ingredients and The more testing we do, the bigger our library becomes, even though we have access to an international library. We develop our own domestic library as well alongside that. So we can give an indication of what they bought. In most cases, it tends not to be what they think. Most people come in and tell us they've bought ecstasy or think they've bought ecstasy, and generally they have a mix of other drugs and maybe some MDMA, methamphetamines, ketamines. And in some cases, we find substances that are quite dangerous and toxic and we'll advise them of that and what the inherent risks and dangers are. At that point, they get the opportunity to discard the drugs in an amnesty bin and then they move on to talk to our brief intervention team, which are counsellors and peer workers, and they can raise any issues about drug use and they normally spend about five, ten minutes there and then they're normally given a post-testing evaluation just for our purposes and then leave. All up, it takes about 15 minutes. When you say you do find toxic and very dangerous substances, what kind of substance are we talking about? Oh, there's a whole range of M-bombs, N-ethylpentalone and, and drugs like that that have been associated with overdoses, particularly in New Zealand more recently, but also in the US. So the United Nations, when they report on this, are estimating there's something like about 400 to 700 new chemical substances being created a year. And that's because what chemists often do in the in organised crime trade is they'll often change molecule structures to avoid detection and law enforcement because as they create a new drug, then the law has to catch up with that and make it illegal. There's this cat and mouse game that goes on behind the scenes in drug production, but we're talking to the end user, which is the kid at the festival who bought a drug off a friend, who bought it off a friend, who bought it off somebody else, and no one actually knows what they bought. So when you do find one of these more harmful substances in these pills... What do you say to the person who's the holder of the pill and how do you talk them through their options? What we do, we're a non-judgmental service, I have to say, first off. So we don't make a judgment about because someone has chosen to use a drug. We don't judge them on that. We give people the facts about a particular substance. We answer all their questions about it. So in the case of, you know, a toxic substance found, the seven times that was identified in April at Grooving the Move Festival in Canberra, uh, each time it was thrown in the amnesty bin and people didn't want to consume it. And the best way I can explain this is when people criticise us about, oh, we're giving the green light for drug use and, and people will take all these risks because we're there, is that people have stepped forward to admit they're taking an illicit substance. They're coming to talk to us to make sure that what they're doing or to have some certainty around what they're doing isn't going to cause them to be in the back of an ambulance or in hospital as a result. They're looking to protect their health. They're not actually looking to damage their health. They understand there's some downside potential and, you know, there are risks people take, but young people take risks. And so we give them information. So if we give them information that says this is quite dangerous and, you're, you know, you could have quite an adverse reaction to this, they're not saying, oh, great, that's what I was after. 
they're more likely to say, oh, that's not what I wanted. And they've just spent $200 on a ticket to attend a festival. They don't want to be in the medical tent or the back of an ambulance, so they generally bin it. That's what happens. You know, if you're about to eat something and I tell you that could be poisonous, would you say, well, I don't care, I'm going to take it anyway because I bought it? No. Gina, we seem to be locked in between a rock and a hard place at the minute because to find out what impact pill testing actually has, we need to roll it out to see how it's going to go. But at the same time, you have a government that says we don't want to roll it out because, in the words of Gladys Berejiklian, she says it sends the wrong message, it gives kids a false sense of security and that it doesn't protect them from taking the substance itself. How do we work this out? Because there's a lot of people who are saying, well, pill testing kind of makes sense, but I'm not sure because I'm also being told that maybe it's encouraging kids to take drugs. How do you make sense of all of that? Yeah, look, and that's a a problem for us because at a base level, it's just not true. I have that said to me a lot. I have in the circles I mix outside of pill testing and and drug and alcohol and the health area I work in, parents and people raising me saying, oh, but aren't you giving people a false sense of security? They almost regurgitate what they hear the Premier saying. And But if you just unpick what she's saying, first of all, she's saying, you know, that it sends the wrong message. Well, the message we're sending kids is we care about them. And if you talk to the parents who have lost their kids, what they wanted was us there to at least have had the opportunity to talk to their kid before they took that drug and led to the overdose and their tragic death. So we're not sending a message that, you know, it's okay to use drugs. We're actually explaining to them what the inherent risks and dangers are and that we care about them and their health and we want them to be safe. And that's why we're talking to them. That's the message we're sending. Not a message that, well, maybe a few of you will die and that'll teach the rest of you not to do it. Because that's the other message that's actually being sent at the moment. The other issue about the false sense of security, well, that's like saying, you know, because I have car insurance that I'm going to drive recklessly or because I have a seatbelt on that, that, you know, we should take seatbelts out and maybe people won't drive as recklessly. It sort of misunderstands human behaviour. As I said, people are coming forward. They know they're taking a drug. They know there's some risk, but they'd like to know more about it. And we work off the premise or the maxim that the better informed you are, the better decisions you make. I don't know any public health initiative that operates under the principle that you should keep should keep people in the dark and the less they know, the better it is. It, it just doesn't work like that in life. And the other point I make is that in public health initiatives, what we're saying is trial it. If what we're doing is so harmful and dangerous, we will stop. But we've done it twice and the results have been very positive and our interactions have been very positive with patrons and We've been able to stop people, at least seven, if not more, taking substances that could have been quite harmful, giving a lot of information to people that have never talked to anyone about their drug use. And in terms of liability, we're encouraging people to be safer and and telling them about the, the risks and the dangers. And again, there'd be no public health program available if every time someone ignored your advice and something happened to them, that you are then liable. So if you go to your doctor and he says, stop smoking, stop drinking, because problem and you continue, well, how is the doctor liable for that? They're not. Just finally, Gino, if you could sit down in a room with Premier Berejiklian right now, what would you say? Oh, I'd say thank you. <laughs> It'd be great to be able to sit down with her and explain this. So, look, I understand that politics is one of the real issues here because if you look at the evidence and you look at all the health-based initiatives and, and positives that we can put in place as a result of our program, you would introduce it. So this is about politics. And I don't purport to understand all the intricacies of New South Wales politics at the moment behind the scenes. But I also know from my days working in Canberra and with other governments here and around the world that you can often find a solution if you actually work through it. 
So realistically, we won't know the full impact of whether pill testing can help save young lives until it's rolled out across the festival landscape for real, not just in a trial situation. But if no government will back it, which is not just New South Wales, by the way, several other states, including Victoria, WA and South Australia, have also ruled it out. We won't know for sure. Gino said he wanted to get in a room with Gladys Berejiklian to show her what they do, that it might change her mind. But would that have an impact? If Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie's response when she was presented to by Gino in Canberra recently is any indication, it might. Somebody is locked in a bubble up here and didn't have the bloody courage to vote for what will help keep our kids alive. Then my God, the only people doing harm to our children are these people living up in this bubble. This is cheap, this is effective, and it comes with awareness next to it. For goodness sakes, millions of Australians have got nieces, nephews, sons, daughters, grandchildren. They want to know that because of this drug test, it's probably saved their life. What they don't want to be doing is showing up at a funeral five days later and saying, here we go, these politicians what could have been easily put in place could have saved the life of one of our Australian kids and they wouldn't do it because they're a bloody ideology. It is enough. We've lost the war on drugs. So until something changes, we'll have to keep trying to hammer home the message we've always been told. Don't do drugs and hope that no more young Aussies die. But for the parents of those six kids, they're hoping their loss will create the change that means you won't have to suffer as they did. Here's Jenny Ross-King, Alex's mum, talking to the ABC. Moving forward, this isn't about Alex. It's about everyone else's kids now. I can't change what happened to Alex, but I sure as hell can try and change it for someone else. This episode of The Quickie is produced by Ellie Beattie and Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie. And if you'd like us to dive into a story more in depth for you, send us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au.